<laughs> I have to say, I, I'm very impressed with myself. You done good, kid. Yes, I'm still gonna work on it. I, I think I'm gonna re-record the whole thing, actually. But I, that's gonna be the melody. You know what I mean? I like it, man. That's the melody. I'm I going really, for, you know, we're Matt and Matt I'm going for like a Pete and Pete. Yeah, like lo-fi, like indie, like uh, what's that band? They might be giants. Oh yeah, kind of feel. Was that on your new Fender Stratocaster? That was the new friend Fender Stratocaster. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. welcome to episode eight of what is currently known as On Air B and B. For now. For now. For maybe the last episode. This may be the very last time you're ever going to hear us coming to you under the guise of on Airbnb. Because we want to go legit. We want to go legit. We want to get on iTunes. We want to really make this thing work because we think we have a good thing going on. And people have told us that we're not stupid like we thought we were. Right, right. Um, Should we tell them what the new name's going to be? Yeah, sure. Ladies and gentlemen. This is the new one. So moving forward, we will forever, for here on out, be known... As Matt on Matt. This is the Matt on Matt podcast. This is the Matt on Matt podcast where you can find all your Matt on Matt action. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We should put an ad on Craigslist. (laughs) M-O-N. Matt on Matt. I feel like if we... Hire an intern. Advertise it. For Matt Matt on Matt intern. We find it as Matt on Matt action. Jim Norton's going to be super into it. Like, hey guys, I heard there's some Matt on Matt action going on in here. I'm I'm super into weird shit. Are y'all just flopping around on each other or what? (laughs) Super into weird kinds of porn. Let me in on this. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Feels good. Feels, Feels good. good. I feel great today. I'm in a great mood. I don't know why. I got terrible sleep last night, but <laughs> I've rebounded. I think it was the venti cold brew that I drank. <laughs> I think that's what is helping me The right venti now. cold brew. Compound that with some Budweiser. Yeah. Well, I haven't hit the Budweiser yet. It's just open and looking at me. He's got Budweiser. I've got Miller Lite. We've yeah. got an American Civil War going on at this desk right now. <laughs> uh, call Alex Jones. Oh, God. Oh, you know, the funny thing about Alex Jones is... What? <laughs> I've got the government documents right here to prove it. That's what's funny about Alex Jones. Such an idiot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what a so loser. The eighth episode. Eight is actually my favorite number. Yeah, because of Troy weird? Aikman? No, uh, kind of. A little bit. Yeah. I just find that uh, there's also a Modest Mouse song called Interstate 8 that's really great. Um, this is the eighth episode. And so it reminds me of the movie and uh, former phone number called Butterfield 8. I don't know what the movie is about. I just <laughs> know that it was a movie. And I learned this because whenever it was my um, number whenever I played hockey, my grandfather saw it. And he goes, Butterfield 8. <laughs> and, then, and then he explained to me that it was a movie that was based on, like, a phone number. You played hockey. I played hockey. Was it ice hockey or no. inline skates? I was middle class. Okay. Inline. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, we had an ice hockey team near us, too. They were played at the Texas Ice Arena. Yeah. Which was a warehouse with an ice rink in it. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, no, I played inline. I played, like, outdoor hockey one summer. Mm-hmm. That was brutal. Yeah, in Texas. Oh my God! You're wearing gear. Uh, yes, and skating around in at like at like 5 p.m. Holy shit! Ugh. Ugh. And then I played. Uh, there was this awesome rink that had a league called Texas Skadium. <laughs> and uh, I don't like it. We, I was on the Sabers. Oh, like you Buffalo, were the Buffalo Sabers, which which got me on the news in Buffalo, New York, when I was like nine years old. The Stars and the Sabers were playing each other in 1999 Stanley Cup. The Stars ended up winning. But uh, it was not without a lot of effort. The Sabres put up a fight. Oh, yeah. Coincidentally. That's considered one of the greatest Stanley Cup series of all time, I yeah. believe. Oh, yeah. And it's also, like, we definitely stole that from them. Brett Hole was <laughs> absolutely in the crease. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, but whatever. That's the way the game goes sometimes. Um, and and it, so, coincidentally, we were actually in the championship for our league. And since Buffalo Town, uh, Buffalo Town, Buffalo, New York, has like three people in it, um, yeah. they had heard of us. Uh, like our, our coach was from Buffalo, and he grew up with like the local news station. Some guy at the local news station there. Oh my God! Sounds like so five fucking people in that boring. town. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And so, but anyway, Western they came New down. York. Yeah, yeah, Niagara. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot me in the face. Also, Niagara, nineteen ninety nine. Yikes! Extra bleak. Uh, or Buffalo, 1999. Sorry. They were still they were like in right the hardcore hangover from losing four straight Super Bowls. 
Which is so which leads the into this story <laughs> because the dude comes, the guy comes in and he, and he uh, films us practicing, and then he goes, "All right, kids, we're all gathered up." He goes, "Which, what do you guys know about Buffalo?" And I skated right up to the front, and my dad told me to say this. He's like, "If they ask you about Buffalo." Just remind them that we beat them twice in the Super Bowl, two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did. And I was the only kid that made it onto the news. <laughs> <laughs> I just went right up and I was like, yeah, well, I know in Buffalo you guys have a team called the Buffalo Bills. And I know that the Cowboys played them two years in a row. And I know that we creamed you guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're goddamn right. And I say Super Bowl guys, 27 and 28. Yes. 52 to 17 and 30 to 13. I remember glad, those scores. I'm glad you're here for the stats. Yes, sir. I would only... Super Bowl 27, Troy Aikman threw four touchdowns. Oh, he's a badass. Super Bowl 28, Emmett Smith ran for almost 150 yards. <laughs> and so that's what I assume the old movie Butterfield 8 is about. I assume it's about me and that story. That's exactly what it's about. Yeah. But you know what else is going on in the sports world? The World Cup. Yeah, dude. I watched it. One. I watched one game. I've been catching a lot. I mean, I've seen a lot of it while bartending because I've been working brunches and these start. Exact same for me. Yeah, so like I've seen a lot of it, but I've also been working. But on, uh, I watched the Croatia England game start to finish in my own flat. In your own flat, out in Bushwick. Out in Bushwick. Bushwick. Um, Bushwick. No. Um, (laughs) It was cool. Soccer was cool. It's also. um, I I also don't. I don't know. I don't have any connection to it, so right? It's, so it's it's kind of like I was like, I wanted England to win because I'm genetically British, I yeah. guess. I don't know, and but like uh, and plus like Croatia's that's like I think I think they play kind of dirty, honestly. Um, but now I want Croatia to beat France. Yeah. Oh yeah. Croatia's a really cool underdog team with yeah. some like some. Fighters on that their team, whole, like they are. Yeah, they hard. play, they dirty, play dude. hard. Like, they play, yeah, but yeah, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I all guess. right, Chief, come on. I guess. Don't be holier than thou. It's just sports. That's true. It's not war, and I also <laughs> don't really care. But it is crazy to think like the whole country of Croatia has like four point four million people in it. Yeah, and then like they have these like seven dudes, eight dudes. Like on a on a Monday, there's the more people. Final. On a Monday, there's more people in Manhattan than there are in Croatia. Right. That's insane. Right. And then they came up with some of the best soccer players in the world. Yeah. That number 10, right now. dude with the stringy hair, he yeah. is a beast. He is like Charlie Hustle. He is all over the place. Yeah. And that, cool. uh, yeah, that quarterfinal game, he was, was like 130 minutes into the game, and he was sprinting faster than I ever thought a human could. Right. It was insane. Those guys just haul ass. Yeah, it's totally. It's wild to watch. Because like, it seems like they make it down the field in just a few steps. Yeah. But then it's like, dude, that's like the size. That's bigger than a football field, yeah, Goal right? to goal, it's 120 yards. Yeah, Because it's so. basically yeah. where the goal is where the upright is sure. for a football yeah. game. So it's right. 120 yards, goal to goal. And Good they're down Lord. there before you can even blink. It's crazy. I have, and they do it for ninety minutes straight. Yeah, and they maybe get a substitute. Maybe. Yeah. Like like England didn't hardly substitute it at all until yeah. the very end. Watching the World Cup as an American is extremely weird because yeah. you always you're when the USA makes it, which they didn't even make it into the right. tournament. They, they didn't right. even they make it at all this year. They didn't qualify. But when they do make it, you obviously are going to cheer for the U.S. But. You always have a second that you're always going to end up going for because the U.S. is never going to go far. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, uh, well. So clearly my second is always my genetic lineage, which is Germany, which really, really bit me in the ass. But who cheers for Germany? I do. Germans cheer for Germany. Ugh. Hey, Calm down. Ugh. You're English. Yeah, okay? exactly. Relax. Don't, don't <laughs> evil motherfuckers bombing us. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 
We don't, won. Don't hold shit against <laughs> countries that was 70 fucking years ago. And they're, they've tried we'll really hard, really hard to make up for it. We'll never forget. Don't hold it against the current people. <laughs> like, come on. No, absolutely hold it against them. Oh, come on. Hold, Jesus. The, hold a grudge. Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will stay with you your entire life if you hold it tight enough. Oh, my God, a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole uh, cheering for my, you know, lineage bit me in the ass in 2014 because I was, you know, I was working at the company at that time. Yeah. And in the office, everybody's going for USA. We're all wearing our USA stuff. And then the day that the USA and Germany play in the quarterfinals. Oh, wow. Oh, I had told my friend Justin who that. I cheer for Germany when the USA gets eliminated. Yeah. Well, now Germany and USA are playing in the knockout round. What'd you do? Just obviously was cheering for USA. I was wearing oh, a USA okay. T-shirt. Justin decided to tell everybody that I was going for Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so our team lead Sean takes a map of Germany and he puts B I E on it, sends it out to the whole office. <laughs> And forever, for the rest of my time <laughs> at that company, I was known as Beermany. <laughs> Beermany. Beermany. People still call me Beermany. When I see my friend Chris, he comes up to me, Beermany, what's happening, man? <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know what else is hilarious? What? The fact that Kylie Jenner is self-made. According to Forbes magazine, put her on the front cover. And, and she is... On track to be the first, or what is it? The, the youngest, the youngest self-made, self-made, self-made billionaire. What's up with that? What? Like, are you joking? I'm gonna <laughs> like how? Like, who's having a stroke at Forbes? <laughs> Who wrote this article? Pull it up. So we got editor's the pick. Natalie, I don't know how to say Robamed. that. Robamed. Robamed. So let's Good give her the, let's give her the credit where it is due. Yeah, she runs an. Who's in, she? We're talking about Kylie, Kylie. Jenner. Sorry, yeah. pronouns, pal. Um, Kylie Jenner runs a an immensely successful makeup company, which is great. They only have seventeen employees. Yeah, and they still made five hundred million dollars. That's last crazy. Year. It's absolutely insane. But to call it, it's phenomenal. It's great. She did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to say that she's self-made, that's is absurd. Absurd. Because a, she had the notoriety of her sisters. Well, yeah, well, and uh, that television show. Her last name, yeah, Jenner, and her like, dad. Yeah, you know, or whatever they yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she had all of that notoriety. Number one. Yeah. Number two. She had money to back her. Right. That makes you not self-made. It does not take away from what she's done. No. It doesn't take away from her success. And hell, if she's about to be a uh, a billionaire, great. But, like, to, the idea that they are, like, profiling self-made billionaires. And, and, by the way, the idea of a self-made, self-made billionaire just in general to me is laughable. You don't get to a billion on your own. You might no. get to a million on your own, but you don't get to a billion. Get real. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people working with you, right? Right. Working for you, right. a and lot you of might partners. Be in the head. Like, like to say Elon Musk is a self-made billionaire is also laughable. Yeah, that dude is like. First of all, I think he only gets paid like a dollar in salary a year from the boring company and from SpaceX. Yeah, uh, and all of his value is just attached to the people that he's attached to. Right. That's it. So like, he's not self-made. Like, and he's one of the most, like, in my, I love, I'm a big Elon fan. I'm a big, big time I, I, Elon I, he's fan. He's a bit of an idiot on Twitter, but, like, who, who isn't? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, like, uh, so, like, uh, so I'm a big fan of his, but um, he's not self-made. Bill Gates is not self-made. No. Fucking uh, Steve Jobs was not, not self-made. No. Like, they all had great ideas, but then they... All, like, absolutely. They got help along the way. They got help along the way. They left people in the dust along the way. That, they and, burned people out along the way. They I, burned bridges. I want to be clear. As somebody who... I consider myself a capitalist. Yeah. You know? Um, I do think that capitalism does leave some people in the dust. Yeah, and, yeah. And we c- 
could help those people. And it's murderous. And it's murderous, and we could not be murderous. But, murder but at the exists. same time, I don't know. I I am not big on the whole billionaire shaming thing. No. Because the majority of these people that are billionaires became billionaires because they had something great to offer society. Right. Not just because they flipped houses with daddy's money. Right. In a, right. In a market that was dead. Right. At the time. Where it's it like cost saying, nothing to flip houses. Ugh. It's like it's like with, you know, the T word also. Mm-hmm. He would describe himself as a self made billionaire. Yeah. And, and it's and it's just like, dude, you're literally like you have a long lineage of slum lords that you are writing on the back of. Yeah. So maybe I'm not mad at this article. I'm just mad at the idea of Of calling her self made. Calling anybody a self made billionaire. Like it's yeah. just absurd. And also she's so like young. And it's also a it's a fairly new business from what I it has to be three years old. Yeah, yeah. So who knows how long that shit's gonna ride out? I mean, I mean, Rihanna's got a makeup line too. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, Kyle, I mean, people will buy the makeup no matter what. But like, apparently Kylie shit's really good though. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, uh, <laughs> we're here talking about like comparing makeup. Like we, Andrea, Andrea, you do live with a woman. Andrea so. watches um, the makeup tutorials by Jeffrey Star, uh-huh. who's a really cool guy, by the way. Yeah, he's a little bit of you know he's he's a crazy person, but you know he's <laughs> built an empire for himself sure. as well, which is totally commendable. Yeah. Um, but he he does all these makeup reviews, and she actually has good products. Yeah. There was one product that she put out that because he gets press kits from all these makeup companies. Sure, of course he does. Uh, there was one product she put out. He's honest as fuck too. He was just like, yeah, not a big fan. She just like excommunicated him. <laughs> <laughs> you are dead now. <laughs> you are dead. I would to me. never. Well, I guess I kind of am. But if I was, if I was in the community of. Um, if I was in the community of, of, like, if a Kardashian care, if, like, they thought about something and it affected my life, I would never speak out against them. Mm-mm. I don't oh, want to no. end up, like, behind so, a door on a security camera and then suddenly dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you, it's like in modern Hollywood, if you say anything bad about, like, Oprah... Or, or Lee Daniels. Don't even get you me are started on screwed, dude. Oh, believe me, I learned my lesson about Oprah. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, we're not gonna. Holy get that. crap, oh, Lord! So one time Matt said, on- "No, no, no, no." I don't okay. talk about this. I won't talk about it. I'll just talk about that one time. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't talk shit about Oprah. Don't do it. People will skewer your face. Even even if you're right, don't do it. Because there's just no point. Yeah. Even though she's like got the children's blood on her hand for spreading the anti-vaxxing movement. Um, but even though that's happened, and even though that's a fact, don't talk bad about her. Because you're just your life's gonna get bad. Yeah, your, your life is like you have to. You also have to survive. Your social media presence is gonna take a big old hit. Like, and there's some <laughs> there's some fights that just aren't worth right. fighting. Like why why stay on this hill? Right, it's not that nice of a hill. Speak, you know, it's not. I've been watching the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary. Yeah, it's not my hill to die on. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey is not my hill to die on. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> well, speaking of. Uh, People that have pissed us off. Yeah. What? Are you, what? Where Zach Galifianakis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You skinny he's, bitch. You skinny traitor. You fat traitor. He's a fat traitor. You used to be one of us. <laughs> you used to be our. <laughs> you used to be our representative. Now you're looking all svelte and saggy on comedians <laughs> in cars with getting coffee. First of all, let's just go ahead and say he was never that fat to never, begin with. Yeah. He was TV fat. Right. Right. Like. They're making fun of him on The Hangover because he has, like, the smallest of pudges. Right, he's got a belly. And he's surrounded by, like... Well, he's got a belly. Yeah, he's got, like, bodybuilder Bradley Cooper and, like, 104 pounds Justin whatever his name is. Yeah. Ed Helms, who looks like the Scarecrow. You know? (laughs) In in The Wiz. (laughs) In The Wiz. And then you got, like, Zach Galifianakis, who's got a pudge. He's got a gut. But he's he's looking like, like he... Gives a shit now. He, did, he just, used to look like an alcoholic. Which is really now he doesn't. Now he looks me like off. a former alcoholic, which it, is just boring. Well, you know, honestly, <laughs> it might just kill his career. And I mean, what has he done lately other oh, than baskets? He's got that show. Oh yeah, I've never that watched kind a of unwatchable of show. I have no clue it's, what's going on with it's, that. I've watched it and it's 
and and they're funny because the premise is he failed out of clown school in France, has to go back to shithole Florida where he's from, move <laughs> in with his mom, uh-huh. and then he gets hired as a rodeo clown. <laughs> He, he, okay, and, and it's so like it's kind of funny. Like there's like he does these. I mean, like, the premise sounds hilarious. The, the, he does these like <laughs> French clown acts in the middle of a rodeo. <laughs> so he'll, okay, maybe it is way funnier than I thought. That I'm because he'll, he'll be like sounds hilarious. He'll be like dressed as like uh, Pascal the clown. You know what I? You know yeah, that yeah. Uh, that character with the you know, the whole get up and he's like doing this and he makes it rain on top of himself and then a bull just comes out of nowhere. Boom. <laughs> Just annihilates him. <laughs> this actually sounds hysterical. Why but, did I not watch this? Well, the thing is, is that like it's that joke over and over and over again. Oh, and then for he does the years. same thing that he always does, where he has a twin brother that's like effeminate and southern and like aggressive. It's like he does that over and over again. Like it, it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's a weird character. I don't think it's that funny, and I don't think it's like worth bringing up over and over again. <laughs> Louis Anderson is Louis Anderson is actually really good on that show, but again, it's like it's kind of like I watch it and I'm like I don't need to see I, another I episode. personally have a huge beef with Louis Anderson. Why? Because when I was a kid, people used to tell me I looked like Louis Anderson. Fuck them. <laughs> Who says that to a kid? Other kids. Oh yeah. Other kids. <laughs> <laughs> but they go up to you like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> This total, this total douchebag, and I'll call him straight out. I don't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> Joe Rivera of Texas City, Texas. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Oh, I'm sure he's not. I mean, <laughs> he used to always call me Louis Anderson, and it got it started, and it was, I mean, to this day, my skin crawls. You know that's not I'm, Louis Anderson's fault. No, it's not Louis Anderson's fault. So you have a fault. beef with... Rivera, you don't have a beef with Anderson. No, fuck that. No, I'm gonna be your therapist right no, now. No, fuck that. You should watch Louis Anderson. He's very funny. <laughs> this is the part where, oh my god, if you had ever seen Goodwill Hunting, you would know <laughs> that this is the part where you look me in the eyes and say, "It's not your fault, Chief. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault." It's not your fault. I do know that joke <laughs> because I had a boss do that to me one time when I was bitching about stuff. I was just like, "And then this is wrong, and this is wrong." And then they don't do this, and I'm like really upset, and I'm getting really annoyed. And then he looked at me, and he's like, hey, buddy, it's not your fault. <laughs> and I was like, I know it's not. I'm telling you whose fault it is. And he's like, it's not your fault, man. It's not your fault, chief. <laughs> and I eventually was just like, what? What? What do you... Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> and then he's like, you haven't seen Goodwill Hunting? And I was like, no. I still and then he fired me. can't. <laughs> <laughs> he fired you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been great. You should have kept running with that. Oh, my God. But I still cannot believe for the life of me that you have not seen Goodwill Hunt. And I think it's too late. I think I missed my chance. No, absolutely yeah. not. I'm never going to see it. Robin Williams' performance in that is It'll masterful. It's like one of the best. It might be the best supporting role of all time. Produced by Kevin Smith. Yeah, he helped produce it. And He's friends with Ben. Yeah. He's friends <laughs> with Ben and Matt. Not, I mean, not anymore. Not anymore? Well, him and Ben had a big falling out because Ben's oh, ex, no. uh, Jennifer Garner, him. hates Kevin Smith. Oh, why? I don't know why she doesn't like him. Okay. I just know that she doesn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> she probably uh, He probably asked Ben for a lot of money for movies yeah, over and right. over and over. For stupid movies. For dumb fucking Bad movies. movies. He made like three good movies. What are we fucking talking about? <laughs> We've completely gone off the rails again. That's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> they didn't know that Kevin Smith wasn't on the run sheet. They didn't know that. <laughs> Thanks for telling them, Dick. <laughs> little, little look into the sausage. Uh, so Matt uh, recently... Yeah, this went week to Radiohead. I went to go see Radiohead at uh, Madison Square Garden. They're doing a four-night residency this week. Um... Or it's like they're doing it over five days, but there's four nights. I went to the second night, and god damn it, they are so good. Uh, I've heard someone compare them to, and I think this is an apt comparison, even though they are completely sonically different. They are like Led, the Led Zeppelin of this generation, and last generation maybe even. Like they, just in terms of like their... They, they come from the same kind of similar place. They write crazy music that's all over the place. They're super inventive. And they're incredibly popular. Like, 
I mean, is Radiohead even considered of this generation anymore? I mean, they're still putting music out. Okay. And that's popular with... I mean, U2 still puts music out. But there's still... But, like, Radiohead's... Like, people still get psyched for the new Radiohead album. I guess so. Nobody's psyched for the new U2 album. Nobody. 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 In fact, they gave it out for free and everybody shit on them yeah, for Yeah, everybody got really <laughs> mad. How do I get this out of my fucking phone? I, you know, I've listened to a good amount of Radiohead over the years. In doing theater, if you don't like Radiohead, they kick you out. Yeah. Uh, same with, true. Same with Weezer. Yeah. Um, even when they do covers of Africa. Um, you still have to like it. Uh, so I've listened to my fair share of Radiohead over the years. It's never been something that really just grabbed me and took me for the ride that yeah. it does a lot of people. Yeah. I see why people like it totally and I've dug some songs. It's but I'm not uh, not by any means am I a huge fan. It's nerdy. Yeah. They're very nerdy. And they're but they're very like they fucking rock, dude. Like I when I saw like, when like, I saw them at Bonnaroo, I was very surprised yeah, at their live show. Yeah, let's talk about you've seen them and I've seen them. Yeah. I think that could be interesting to talk about. What was it like for you? When I was going into it, I was expecting like I was expecting Tom York to be just like this yeah. this frail old sad man who was helped onto the stage yeah. and just stared longingly onto the horizon because this was an outdoor festival. Yeah, no. and just oh, this is a song that I wrote. I wrote it when I was sad. It's called "Crying Computer Creep." Like yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. I was then one they, thing I realized while they, I was watching. Sorry. Well, then they come on stage. Yeah, and he's like happy to be there. Yeah, and he's smiling and they rock out. Yeah, and it dude. was a killer show. Yeah, I was taken aback. It's because it's super fun to play rock music for a living. <laughs> Who knew? Right? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> um, they, they, I, I agree. I went there, uh, you know, I went there on the day that England lost to the World Cup, so I thought he'd be extra sad. <laughs> um, he was not. He was super jazzed. They were all super jazzed up to be there. It's a garden, man. Yeah, like, well, they were, and it was super, like, they rocked up all their songs really hard, and, like, it was, it was fucking incredible. Probably my favorite song uh, was the end of the last encore with Fake Plastic, or the, no, the second, the first encore, uh, uh, Fake Plastic Trees. I uh, hadn't really heard that song before, and I mean, I had. No, that's not true. I'd heard the song say, before. That, like, one of, that's like, one of their biggest Radiohead fans always talk about fake plastic right. trees. Well, I hadn't heard it in the way that they played it. Okay. Like, uh, at least it felt like I was hearing it. Literally, it felt like I was hearing it for the first time. Whenever, like, they kind of took a step back, and at the climax of that song, just let the guitar just rip out and ring open, distorted. Like a, like like fucking regular rock, mm. and it was just so because they're not. I don't. They don't have like a typical like regular rock guitar sound. They're not a heavy gain, right? Kind of but band. then all of a sudden, for the first time in the whole like this is probably it's probably an hour and a half into it, and this is the first time you just hear just his guitar, his like distortion pedal with reverb, just and it just like hit me. <laughs> Man, it just like sent chills down my spine, got tears out of my eyes. It was just like hit you right damn, in the feels. Hit me right in the chest. It was so fucking effective and amazing. And then they closed the whole show out. Their second encore, that's right, two encores Ooh. with Karma Police, and it was that for a minute there I lost myself. Like the whole crowd. 10,000 people or however many people can fit inside the MSG. It's like 15 to just 20. Just all of us just like like screaming that like all together with Tom and he ugh, it was just so like touching. It's like because you literally felt like I felt like we were losing ourselves all together yeah. in the middle of that lyric which is about that. It's about like I. It's about a lot of different things with throughout the song, mm-hmm. but like in that moment, they they were really great at creating like an original moment for for each song. Yeah. For the live set, which was just so like, I don't know. I love it when bands can do that. I and that's I I love what you're talking about, and it especially echoes really hard at Madison Square Garden uh-huh. because it's the most famous arena in the world, number one. Right. But also, it's it's a magical place. Yeah. The way it's set up with the roof, the screen, the way the balcony is, this they 
I was when they redid it, when they refurbished uh, it. I was really afraid it was going to lose that like MSG charm that everybody always talked about. Yeah, but it didn't. It actually just made it better. Right, and it's it's phenomenal. And I've had that experience too when I saw Pearl Jam at the Garden, and we were right up by the stage, so we had a similar view to what the band had. Yeah, because it was fully in the round. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't have a backdrop or anything. Wow. So it was just uh, completely surrounded by fans. Just a stage at the end with a lighting grid over it, and then completely surrounded by people, and him in this spotlight in the middle, and everybody singing "Better Man" with him was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't even it's properly crazy. describe it. It's crazy when you get into those like pr- it's like primal, yeah. is what it is, because you're ra- you're surrounded by strangers. Yes, but you all have this one like. Mind warm in common. Mm-hmm. You and it all mean and it means something different to each and every one of you. But it's the same words yeah. and the same melody and the same like memory even. But it's like and you all just you can just get lost in it. And you saw Modest Mouse at the Garden, right? Too. And and like the thing with yeah, that's I've only been to the, the Garden twice. I saw Modest Mouse and I've seen Radiohead there now. And Modest Mouse is especially like that because. Uh, the fandom of Modest Mouse is like deep. Yeah, like like like, like, like uh, nobody that listens to Modest Mouse. Well, very. That's not true. I'm not gonna speak generally and grandiosely. But like, typically, people that like listen to Modest Mouse are like we we we're just like deep cut fans, mm-hmm. and we I don't know. Like that's just like typically the story for their fans because like, yeah. they like and so. When all of us are together, and uh, the other thing about a lot of Modest Mouse guys, or at least in my experience when I'm writing these shows, is a lot of solos, solo people. Yeah. A lot of single tickets. <laughs> and so we're all standing around, not with anybody that we know. And then, we, and then you get to this primal thing of like, the universe is shaped exactly like the Earth. It's like, it's awesome. I just love it. That's amazing. I don't know. I just love I that. I love big events like that. Well, and that's why my favorite thing is like going to going to see a band that has a fandom. Yeah. Like when we saw Springsteen at the Garden, which is like a life affirming moment for me to see the yeah, boss absolutely. at the Garden. Absolutely. Like oh, and it. I, there were moments in that because it was such a great show. They played three hours and forty minutes. They played the entire River album, which is a double album, and then they went into just like the best of E Street kind of crap. Yeah. And it was just out of this world. And Bruce, there's something about him. Every crowd he performs for is, he puts everything out there. He empties the tank. But then he always says that when he goes to the garden, because he's from Jersey, he always seems to go a little harder because it's across the river. And that's where people make themselves is across the river. Yeah. So, I mean, when he, from the second, the first note of Thunder Road slipped out of that harmonica. Yes. I was just like a blubbering mess. <laughs> I was just like crying on Andrea's shoulders. Just yeah. like, you changed it. You changed the entire life. But you can like see throughout the show, like you were talking about deep cut fans. Yeah. All these people in there, a lot of the people in there have been following the E Street Band since 1972. Oh, I'm you know what I mean? in this right now. Go on. Yeah. So a lot of people have been following the E Street Band since 1972, so they all have their moments, or the way that Bruce's songwriting changed their life, or moments that they lived with that song. And you look around the arena during the show, and people are having that exact same moment with different tracks. Yeah. And it's just... And it's amplified by being in the garden. It's amplified by being in Midtown Manhattan, uh, the most famous arena in the world. Yeah, it's life changing. And speaking of like deep cut crowds, the coolest thing at a Modest Mouse show that I've ever seen happen happened at MSG, where uh, it was a weird show because they were playing with brand new, and so there was like two headliners trying to like duke it out, do like mesh into one evening at the garden because the garden's pretty strict about out times. Yes, extremely strict. Because the These moment the moment you go a minute union. Over, right, right. The moment you go like a minute over your labor hours, it's like everyone's getting paid four and a half times. You got a great story about that when yeah, you're done. Uh, <laughs> and it's like ridiculous. So it was like these two really big bands like kinda like Modest Mouse is 
very clearly annoyed that they were playing first, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And they were trying to just crank out as many tunes as possible. They played probably... They probably they also played probably like a two-hour set, hour and a half, two-hour set. Yeah. But it, but he saw a timer, because he kept talking about the timer the whole time. Isaac is a fucking drama queen. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of annoying. Every time I've seen him, he's had a problem with like something with the venue. <laughs> um, uh, but he kept like making fun of the timer. And then he played their whole set, including an encore... They their opening band did an encore. Yeah. They still did their set, and and then he looked at the timer. He goes, "Oh, guys, guys, two minutes left. <laughs> we have two minutes." And I was right near the stage. Just I was just in the general audience, and me and like, you know, my solo bros, me and me, me and these guys all just look at each other. We all just start you, screaming. You and the incels. Yep. Right. <laughs> nah, no. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I'm joking. Go uh, ahead. Me and these guys all start screaming, play Shitlock! Play Shitlock! <laughs> and that's the two minute long Modest Mouse song. Isaac looks at us and then just looks at the band and boom, launches into Shitlock. <laughs> it's like, it's a fucking rad, aggressive oh, yeah. song. I love it. All of us just like, like we were 14 years old, started punching each other in the head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all had to go get ice packs. And <laughs> the garden, <laughs> you were, what you were saying earlier, the garden is super, super strict on yeah. out times. And, you know, the garden is a mecca for professional wrestling. Always yeah. has been, always will be. Because forever there was a contract that said that only the McMahon family, the mm-hmm. owners of WWE, could promote wrestling in Madison Square Garden. And everybody that works there is the highest level of union. Yeah. Like, they get paid exorbitant amounts of money. Right. So when Stone Cold Steve Austin was with the company, one of his favorite things to do is when the when they went off air, he loved to just stay out there and like drink beer and mess with the crowd. And one night he went 40 minutes past the, the, the out time. It probably cost like a million dollars. Vince came to him the next week and said, Hey man, I just want you to know last week at the garden, you cost me $70,000 in overtime wages. And <laughs> Steve Whoa. said, I looked at him and said, I'll split it with you. <laughs> Did he? And Vince said, no, 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 don't split it with me. Just next time, be aware. Yeah. Okay, okay, we got it. So next time they go to the garden, he's doing his thing. He's going long. The people at ringside are telling him, we got we to gotta go home. We got to go home. And then Kevin Dunn, the executive producer who's out in the TV truck, comes <laughs> over the house mic and says, Steve, it's time to go home. <laughs> and Steve just says, all right, I'm out of here. And he drops the mic and runs to the back. <laughs> but big shout out right now yeah. for me in Madison Square Garden, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, the second and third biggest wrestling promotions in the world yes. who are making huge waves in the world of professional wrestling. Try So when they announced everything, WrestleMania coming back to New York City, they announced that WrestleMania is going to be at MetLife Stadium. And the other weekly, the other shows that week are all going to be at Barclays. MSG was offended. Yeah. That McMahon wasn't bringing anything WrestleMania week to MSG. So they agreed to let Ring of Honor and New Japan do a dual show in MSG the night before Mania. And Vince McMahon sued him. Wow. To stop it from happening. Well, he's got that contract. Ring of Honor won. Yep. They won. For the first time ever, a non-McMahon wrestling show is going to take place in MSG, and it's going to be Ring of Honor versus New Japan, and it's probably going to be better than anything else that's going to happen. That this week. is a good thing, right? It's a great thing. It's a great thing? It's a great thing. For years, they've been a monopoly, and they've been the only game in town. And right now, their television show is horrible. Really? I haven't watched a weekly WWE television show in months. Wow. It's bad. Like, it's hard to sit through. That's... And meanwhile, Ring of Honor and New Japan are shocking. absolutely changing the world of that. In that genre, they're changing the world. That's crazy. It's, yeah. That's a big risk for MSG to take, then. It's a huge risk. They could ruin their, rela- their relationship that goes all the way back to Mad- the first Madison Square Garden. Wow. Yeah. Tell me, you know about this. There's been three Madison Square Gardens? Yeah, this is the third one. The other two were near Madison Square. Yeah. That's why it's Madison Square Garden. This is the third one. It was built in 1968 after they... Wow, it's that that old? Yeah, but they just did a billion-dollar-plus renovation on it. I see. Yeah, it used to look very different. Yeah. It It used to look kind of shitty, right? It used to be just a single, like, one bowl. 
Oh my god. And it, it didn't have the layers like it did. And if you were in the upper sections, you were really far from the floor. <laughs> so that's why they built a balcony the way they did now. Can you imagine having to walk all the way up there oh. or whatever they would have yeah. to do? Oh my it was god. Still, it was still 20,000 seats. It's oh my like god. It, they they downgraded. They went down to 18,000 seats when they renovated. That's fine though. Just yeah, charge totally more fine. for the ticket. Oh, and they do, brother. Yeah, like whatever. I don't want to be around twenty thousand people. I want to be around eighteen. That's fine. Okay, eighteen's good. That, that two thousand—that's that, a deal breaker. I can tell the difference totally. So this is a great thing in my world. Yeah, um, it's bringing a lot of really good stuff to my city. Yeah, and I'm super jazzed about it. And you know what else I'm super jazzed about? Tell me. I'm super jazzed about our citizen of the week. Yes. Oh, my God. He's not an American citizen, but he is a citizen of the world. Uh, <laughs> let's pull the story up that I found on Gothamist. It's uh, Sasha Barra Baron Cohen. Oh, fuck. I'm fucking this what up. What are you doing? It's Sasha Baron Cohen. We Sa- all know who this guy is. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, <laughs> Borat. Uh, Bruno. <laughs> Ali G. The main motherfucker is going out there and making a fool out of a bunch of like conservative pundits and politicians <laughs> and news personalities. He like he's creating this show called Who is America? And um, we're basically just gonna do an unpaid ad for this show, yes. I guess. Because uh, I, I, I on my way over here I, I just happened upon upon this uh, article of the Gothamist, uh, it, it, where essentially this is also weirdly all played out on Good Morning America. Yeah. Which I think is so funny. I yeah. don't know. Like, I remember watching Good Morning America with my parents when I was nine. Yeah. And, and, like, it, was not, and it was not this. <laughs> it was always just like, here's the weather and here's a joke. And, <laughs> we're all passing time. Here's the people on the street. All right. right. So yeah. what he's done is he's created a new slew of characters. Yeah. And cool. he's... He's got these politicians like Sarah Palin and Dick Cheney to fly across the country to come do his interviews. Specifically always makes them fly across the country and like takes up days of their time in order to get them into these interview situations where he then just would like completely annihilate them (laughs) and like just get them to argue about like weird shit and like. Like, like, say horrible things about like Jewish he got, people. He got Ted Koppel. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Because mostly because Ted Koppel's pretty harmless in my mind. Yeah, I'm Ted Koppel. I'm Ted Koppel. And he said, here's, what, here's what it says. Uh, this is on the Gothamist again. It says, Koppel says the pitch for the show was to have an ordinary folk interviewing the expert, with Baron Cohen apparently posing as the former. But immediately the man began to press Koppel to admit the, <laughs> the man being Cohen... Uh, uh, immediately, Press Koppel would admit that Trump the inaugural crowd was the biggest ever. When I disagreed, he showed me a photograph of his laptop of a huge inaugural crowd and a man holding a digital clock on a pole, says Koppel. The clock said 11 p.m. My interviewer pointed out that if the crowd was that huge at 11, hours after the actual inter- inauguration, it had to have been the biggest ever. Koppel then pointed out that the obvious problem with that claim, it was, if it was 11 p.m., why was it still broad daylight? Well, that's when the conversation took an absurd turn. He said, maybe it was an eclipse. And after <laughs> I said that, if it were an eclipse, it would still be dark. No, it's Koppel. <laughs> and, he, and he said, maybe it was an eclipse of the moon and the sun. Eclipse of the moon. I said, wait a second. The sun is millions of miles away from the moon. At that point, I realized something was really wrong. And that's when I said, God, Guys, I don't want to. I don't want to be rude. You're just guests in my home, but we're done. Break down. Time to leave. <laughs> like I love that he got Ted Koppel to argue about. Look, the 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 sun is one parsec away from the Earth, and the moon is only a fraction of a parsec away from the Earth. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why am I having this conversation? Yeah. Get out of my Get house. Get out of here. Get out of my house. <laughs> so then he also he goes on. He's also to like, offend. Sarah, Sarah Palin, Palin, who I just want all offensive things to happen yes, to yes. her and only her. Absolutely. Apparently, she claims that he posed as a disabled war veteran yeah. to get this which interview. Which he might have done. Which he might have done. Who knows? He wrote he a letter to I don't her. Know. We'll we, get to the letter. Yeah, we'll see in the show. <laughs> he probably did that. Which, she but, called him evil, exploitive, <laughs> and a truly sick and demands but yes. that he gives all the proceeds for this television show to veterans organizations. <laughs> uh, but then, and so she comes out with all this bullshit. 
And then Sa- Sasha just decides, you know what? I'm going to dunk on her one more time. So Sasha writes a letter. Uh-huh. says, in, in his new character, yeah, which I haven't seen yet. Characters. So this is my interpretation of this character from this name? letter. This is Dr. Billy Wayne Ruddock Jr., <laughs> PhD, founder of truthbrary.org, <laughs> which is Truth which Barry. is uh, a clear InfoWars alt-right conspiracy theory spoof. Yeah, yeah. This is Vice President Palin. I'm Dr. Billy Wayne Ruddock, founder, CEO, accountant of truthbrary.org. And it was I that interviewed you, and I did not say that I was a war vet. I was in the service, not military, but United Parcel. <laughs> And I only fought for my country once when I shot a Mexican who came onto my property. Coincidentally, just like our great president, I was sadly prevented from joining the regular army when (laughs) on account of my bone spurs being discovered in my testicles. (laughs) I've always admired you for telling the truth about Obama's birth certificate and the location of Russia. But ma'am, I do believe you have been hit by a bullshit grenade and are now bleeding fake news. <laughs> you used to hunt the most dangerous animals in the country, like wolves and people on welfare. <laughs> so why hunt a fine citizen journalist like myself? I demand an apology. Signed, Dr. Billy Wayne Ruddock Jr., Ph.D. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. And he's also like he's gone on to like radio interviews posing as like professors. <laughs> he went as far as to put fake listings on on uh, uh, Amazon for books that these people have written. One of which is named "The Immoral Toddler." <laughs> <laughs> footage of, of this television show has aired. Only one, only one clip has okay. aired. Okay, and sorry, it is I'm wrong. The, only one clip has aired, and it's Baron Cohen <laughs> getting Dick Cheney yes. to autograph his waterboarding kit. <laughs> and then Dick Cheney just goes, that's the first time I've been asked to sign a waterboard. <laughs> <laughs> he smiles like a lunatic. Because he is one. Oh, my God. God. (laughs) I can't wait. And these people, they're raising all this hell about it. All they're doing is going to raise the ratings. Yeah, uh, he got Joe Walsh. I don't know much about I don't know really anything about Joe Walsh. Life's been good to him so far. uh, He, uh, he, well, different Joe Walsh. Mm. (laughs) My bad. My Uh, bad. (laughs) Different Joe Walsh. This is on me. Yeah, yeah. This is the (laughs) one that you don't know anything about. Uh, Oh, he got Roy Moore also, who who released this, like, holier than thou statement about how uh, uh, Cohen was just doing gotcha shit and trying to make him... You rape uh, kids. It's like, dude, you are a pedophile. You rape children. Like, 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 do not... Get like, out of here. Get out of here. Roy, go, go like, die in a hole. Fuck you. Lord. Um, Don't at me, bro. But, but anyway, back to the Joe Walsh thing. He, so he has Joe Walsh, who's a conservative pundit on... This is a tweet that Joe Walsh sent out. He just said... It's a picture... Of him talking to uh, Sasha, who's clearly in a bald cap <laughs> in this picture, says, I was rushed to the studio. Production was a mess. I sat down and we started talking pro-Israel stuff, Israeli defense. And then out of left field, the interviewer starts t- talking about how children should defend themselves against terrorist attacks. Hashtag <laughs> boycott showtime. Oh, boycott! Boycott! I'm gonna boycott it! Jesus Go it. Christ! Please do boycott They offended it. my delicate sensibilities. <laughs> These snowflakes who are offended about everything offended me. I bet Joe Walsh doesn't like The Last Jedi. I bet Joe Walsh is stupid and, sh- and sucks. Good one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people who uh, moving right along. Speaking of ahead. people who yeah um, are stupid and suck. Yeah. Don't at me, bro. Don't at me, bro. Don't at me, bro. Don't at me, bro. Uh, don't at me, bro. Ken Burns with your boring ass motherfucking documentaries. And then this happened. And then this happened. And then this happened. I don't. It's the Vietnam War, dude. Spice it up. It is like don't give me that white boy shit. Give me the real spicy footage which there is some good footage but it's so boringly framed it puts me to sleep 
This is why people aren't into history. It's because he, this dude just absolutely... I don't know. It's just a snooze fest. I can't stay awake through his stuff. Don't at me, bro. I vehemently disagree. Are you about to at me, bro? I vehemently disagree. Are you about to I'm at me? I'm going to at you and don't at me, bro. I said don't at me, bro. My don't at me is going to be an at me at you. Yeah. Don't at me, bro, Ken Burns haters. All right. <laughs> I am deeply enthralled. How? In this Vietnam documentary. How? Just shut up and let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're awake when you're enthralled. I am laying on the couch and I am completely into this stuff because he has people from all sides, from all sides. He has people from all sides giving their accounts. He has Marines. He has Army. He has Air Force. He has Sounds like one people side from Arvin. He has people from the Viet Cong, people from North Viet, the North Vietnamese regulars. He has people that were fucking right-hand men to Ho Chi Minh. It's just so he has, boringly... No, it's this is my don't at me, bro. It is so, and the the information is so amazing. He has audio reel to reel tapes of McNamara and Johnson in 1964 saying that it's unwinnable and there's no way to attain the goal that we want to attain. He has audio of Johnson confronting Nixon for sabotaging peace talks so Nixon could get elected as president. How is that not interesting? Because The Rock isn't narrating it. The Rock doesn't need to narrate it. Ken Burns can get the information and then hire someone to give the information. The thousands of hours of research the way that this is produced, all the people he gets to come and talk about it, the real footage of, of real actual combat is amazing. It's framed beautifully. It's so amazingly historic, and I love it. Don't at me, Ken Burns haters. Don't fucking at me. Whatever. That's the show. That's the show. Right. <laughs> I gotta uh, say. We have to come up with an outro. Yeah, we have to come up with an outro. We have to come up with a sign-off. Yeah, what's our sign-off? I don't know. I mean, yeah, shit. Well, Magustalations we is can't taken. can't do that. <laughs> it's taken. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like drawing blanks. Hell, Satan, and hell yourself. That's a good, that's, that's already, all taken. It's all taken, too. It's all taken. Um, what? I, man, I just, I, I don't know what, what could, what, 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 like, shooting blanks? I don't know. Shooting blanks. Uh, uh <laughs> That's because that's what my brain is doing right now. <laughs> I got nothing. Let's sign off. Uh, usually. We'll, we'll be here drawing a blank. We'll be here drawing a blank. We'll be here drawing a drink. We'll be here. You guys have fun. We'll be here being ma- dank. Mulling some stank. Mulling some stank. The we'll fuck be, does I, that mean? I don't know. <laughs> there are no bad ideas when you're brainstorming. There are no bad ideas. Just bad people. Just bad. <laughs> I think there are some bad ideas. Yeah, uh, there are. Pet rock. Uh, while my brain works, I'll just plug, you know, social meds. Uh, follow me at, at Matters on Instagram, Twitterfield on Twitter. If you were still not getting any uh, advice, but we would love to dole advice out. We'd love to let so people know. So I'm going to make another plea again. Please, please. My dad was going to send a question in, but he never did. But he didn't do it. Now he got home and got too busy worrying about the school board. Oh, well. Yeah, whatever. So email us. I'm at matthew.s.butterfield at gmail.com. At MattBerry06. MattBerry06 on everything. On everything. That's my that universal. And we are going to... It's Matt on Matt. Matt on Matt. It's Matt on Matt. Formerly on Airbnb. Now we're Matt on Matt. We're Matt gonna have on a, Matt. We're gonna have a new Facebook page. We're gonna have a new Twitter page. We're gonna have an Instagram page. We're gonna have a website. We're gonna have a website. We're gonna go hard in the paint over the next two Shorty, three weeks. What you drank? <laughs> One of these days, this show is gonna have something going for it. Until then, we'll just be here drawing a blank.